Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. All right, it's time for the word of God. Do me a favor, guys. We got a lot of, we got a lot to do in a very, very, very short amount of time to do it in. Grab your Bibles and go to Acts 16. Acts 16 is where we're going to hang out. Uh, hey, listen, those of you who don't have anything to do, we will, we'll be in this room on Wednesday for prayer and Bible study. I really, really am excited about the topic, wrestling with doubt. How many people have ever like doubted the goodness of God, doubted that God was for you. Like, don't be super spiritual, like real people that you've doubted some things. There's a, there's a few of us in this room. Um, the question is, what do we do with those doubts? And I believe that um, those are the moments that we can rediscover that God really is committed to us, really is for us. We can discover his kindness. And so on Wednesday, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit in a few passages, but I really want to take some time to help the, help the room as we wrestle through this idea uh, of doubt. Also, just real quick, keep this, these dates coming up October 2nd to October 6th. That is our, our corporate fast. We're asking that the entire church would fast. Um, we're going to lay out really, really clear details this week, but I can tell you now we're, it'll be a, a fast for a period of time dur- during the day from food. We're asking that everybody will shut down so, uh, sh- social media and simply because we want to redirect the time. Do y'all know how many, much t- screen time we have on just TikTok? And like, because TikTok is one, it's, it's different than Instagram. TikTok, you'll get lost. And you look up, you're like, it was three hours later. And you just be scrolling and scrolling. So we want to replace that time with prayer and, and, and devotion to the Lord. And so uh, we'll, we'll lay all of that out. We'll have some times of prayer throughout the week. On Monday, we're going to have a prayer call in the evening. On Tuesday and Wednesday, we're trying to have businesses. We're going to lay it out for you, but there'll be businesses across uh, Brooklyn that we're asking that you, you guys would come to, find you know, one that's closest to you, and we'll spend an hour praying in a business. Uh, we'll do that Tuesday and Wednesday. On, on Thursday, we're trying to do a discipleship prayer meetup. So if you're in a discipleship group, uh, we're, we're asking that you would connect with that person. If you're not, Yolanda is here, and we'll, we'll make sure that you get connected to somebody if you don't know anybody in the church. And then Friday, we're going to break the fast together. We actually will provide food, and y'all know we don't play. Like, like we, like we like to eat around here. Shout out to Gabe. Gabe is the pastor of food in this place. So, so we'll, we'll, have, we'll have some really good food um, to, to break the fast together. Um, I am, you know, normally we give out food and we'll still give it out. You, we don't charge for food, but we will have uh, donations open um, if you are interested in dropping a few dollars to help, you know, um, with some of the expenses. That would be great. So we'll have that available and then finally, after, I guess we'll do that six to seven. At seven o'clock, we'll come in this room. We'll eat upstairs. We'll come in this room and uh, we'll spend some time praying. And that will be the end of our fast. And I just believe there's some things that you just don't get the answer on unless you sacrifice. You know, as the scripture says, this kind only come out by fasting and praying. And so um, it's not to get God on our page. It's so that we can get aligned with the will of God, which is what we're talking about today. So let me just, let me just jump in. Acts chapter 16. Why don't you pick me up in verse number six? It says, And they went through the region of Phrygia in Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come to Mysia, 
they attempted to go to Bethnia, but the spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. And when a vision appeared, Paul, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night, a man at Macedonia was standing there urging him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. I'll stop right there. I want to preach today from the topic entitled, Closed Doors Are Frustrating. If I could put a subtitle to the text today, I would say closed doors are frustrating, but there's always a lesson at the door. There is always, always, always a lesson at the closed door. Just by the show of hands, because I want to make sure I'm in the house. How many people have ever experienced like a door that you thought God was going to open that just got got shut it in your face? Whether it was a gentle shut or he slammed the door. That's most of the, hold the hand up for a second. Just look around the room. Most of us have experienced closed doors. And in those moments, we normally feel rejected. But I want to show us today that it is not a rejection A closed door is just as much as a blessing as an open door. And I know, I know how it is. We can only praise God for for, for the open doors, but mature Christians have learned to praise God for the closed door. Anybody anybody ever had a door closed on them? You look back and say, oh God, thank you. Oh God. I'm going to pray because it it ain't official until we pray. So let's let's look to the Lord before we dig in. Uh, Lord, I simply pray over this room, Psalm 119. Open our eyes that we may behold the wondrous things out of your law. Father, we can't, we can't understand this word if you don't speak to us. We can't understand this word if you don't illuminate it to us. I can't preach this word unless your spirit is present. So Father, open up our eyes, open up our ears, open up our hearts so that we can hear from you. And we don't want to walk out and just say, man, that was a good word. We want to walk out transformed changed forever because we spent time with you. Show us Jesus today. Woe unto me if I preach not the gospel. Please shut me down, Lord, if Jesus ain't proclaimed today. But may he be proclaimed because he's the hero of every text. It's in Christ's name we give glory. Somebody say amen. Amen. Closed doors are, are frustrating. As a pastor, I have spent a ton of academic hours in school and a ton of discipleship, whether it was through my pastor, Dr. Eric Mason, or some mentors that have really steered me in ministry. I've spent a lot of time preparing for the role of being a pastor. Before I was even ordained in March of, actually May of 2015, before I was ordained, I spent two years preparing, 2013 all the way to 2015. I was just preparing for whatever the role of ministry looked like. And if I'm honest with you guys, I I didn't know that God was calling me to start a church. I actually thought he was calling me to be on the ministerial staff or the pastoral staff at the church that I was at. I would be a really, really, really strong support and a really strong, um, you know, uh, help. And number two, that, that that was my hope and my goal, but God crystallized things. And when he began to crystallize things, I realized I just needed to learn some things. There's some things I just didn't know coming from corporate America. One of the things that I spent a lot of time studying was learning how to study God's word, prepare sermons, and deliver sermons. That's not easy. It's not easy to just get up here and open a book and read and preach. So I had to learn and develop a system on how, on how to do that. 
I spent a lot of time learning how to build out and manage church resources and church budgets. And, um, you know, you, 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 you know, we manage a, a pretty hefty fund here throughout the year. And so um, with integrity and character, I had to learn how to manage church resources. I spent a lot of time learning how to counsel grieving families and sit with people who were hurting because of loss and because of sickness. I spent a lot of time learning how to pastor and love people, yet make sure that I challenge them on sin. Because y'all just not, y'all know that this is not the place that it's just a cesspool of sin. Anything goes. We do whatever we want to do. No, God, God calls us to a higher standard. And so as a pastor, I need to be able to love you through mess and be able to call you back to alignment with the Lord. I had to learn how to do that. And if I'm honest, I felt when I first went into ministry, even though it was a huge weight, I felt as prepared as anybody would feel going into ministry based on the amount of hours I spent in preparation. The one area I just was not prepared for, if I can just be honest with y'all, I was not prepared to negotiate property on behalf of the church, specifically here in New York. Because y'all know New York, just they just make issues for no reason. They put red tape for no reason. Like, really, we got to cut through that. Why, why do we have to do that? And I just wasn't prepared for the amount of no's and the bureaucracy, bureaucracy and the politics. I wasn't prepared for all of that because it's, it's real out here in these real estate streets. The building that we're sitting in, if I'm honest with you, you know, we're here in 2023. And we first went for the building in March of 2019. And at the time, it was a unique deal. You know, we were, we were coming for the building. There was, it was already occupied by a club. Anybody remember the club? Oh, come on. Who was twerking in the club? Let me just see. Come on. Let me see it. Let me see it. Mouse, I know you was. I know you was somewhere over here. So we had the bar and everything set up. You know, that's how the club did. And, and we came in and, and we had a negotiation between them and the owner of the building. And so it was three parties involved. It was a very, it was very complex to figure out. We were trying to do this thing called turnkey. I don't know if you ever heard of it, but basically we come in and we buy everything in the building, no matter what it is, the biggie murals, we get to buy those and keep like everything. They just turn the key over to us. There's a cabinet upstairs and it was filled with liquor bottles. We was going to do communion with, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. But it was, it was filled. It filled up. Ciroc and everything sitting up in there. So we, you know, we were supposed to buy everything in the building and we, we, we negotiated a specific number. We got deep in the deal. I mean, we was we was ready. We was excited. And then out of nowhere, the entire deal at the last minute just collapsed. Now, looking back in retrospect, I'm looking back at a door that was closed. But can I tell you how much I praise God that God closed the door in 2019? Because who knew 2020 was going to hit? And when 2020 hit, when I tell you we wouldn't be able to sustain the church based on all of the, the, the it's just more money here. And so we wouldn't be able to sustain the church. And so God said, ah, I got to close the door. I was mad at God. I was frustrated when I'm like, God, you don't know what you're doing. That's the spot right there. I'll be honest with you. You know, we was like vultures because we knew, you know, we knew the club was, you know. So we was like, yo, we just going to hover over it like vultures and wait for it to die. And then we just going to swoop back in there and change up the deal and get a lower rate, which is exactly what we did. <laughs> Praise God. But before that happened in 2019, after that, we were like, oh, we got we to gotta find something. 2020 hit. We were like, man, we're going to start gathering again. Um, so we're going to start looking. And mid to end 2020, we started to look again for buildings. We found a spot down on Dean Street. It wasn't my favorite spot, but it was large enough to hold all of us. And it was just an open, empty warehouse. And so we got deep into a deal there. 
And the deal, was, the, the, the deal was a good deal, but it was one of those things that we had to invest a lot of money even to see if we wanted to, to be there. We had to test the air quality. Who does that? Test to make sure with mercury. Had to, you know, we had to get inspections. and We did all this stuff. We spent all of this money, and no lie, we got down to less than 24 hours. The night before we were supposed to sign the contract that morning, that the lawyers we spent money on drawing up the contract the night before, the guy we were doing business with called us and said, I finally let my business partner read the contract, and he doesn't want to do the deal anymore. And we were like, why? Because y'all are a church. That's the reason he gave. He did not want us to be in the building because we were a church. Closed door. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I got, you know, that's the church closed doors. I have personal closed doors in my life that I got frustrated with God about. And I just want to see by a show of hands, like, seriously, have you ever been frustrated with God because he closed the door? See, that's, that's most of the room because we, we, we won't say it, but it's true that we don't think that God knows what he's doing. We don't, we don't trust his, his guidance because closed doors really are frustrating. But what if, what if, I'm just curious, what if the door was closed because God actually knew what was on the other side of it? Now, he might have closed the door to a job that you really, really wanted. You felt really qualified, but the fool next to you got the job, and you know they still not qualified. So every day you walk in, you're like, that's supposed to be my job. I know how we are. But what if God closed that door to protect you from something? What if that relationship that God closed the door on was frustrating for you? But what if he knew you wouldn't be happy 10 years from now? What if you knew if you went ahead and moved into marriage, which is permanent because God hates divorce, what, what if you got into that marriage and then it was like, oh, man, but this ain't, this ain't the one. God's like, well, now it is. <laughs> but now it is. What, what, if, what if that bank loan that you got denied for really was God because he knew that you were in over your head? Please write this down. What if there are lessons, opportunities, divine instructions, and directional changes at the point of closed doors. I'm going to say that again. What if there are lessons, divine opportunities, uh, 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 divine opportunities, instructions, and directional change at the point of a closed door? When we're standing at the closed doors, it often leaves us feeling like we're purposeless. It, it, it leaves us feeling like we're, we're just going to go down the wrong path, and we arrive at a passage in Acts chapter 16. We're not just Paul. I know he was the only one named, but notice it said they, plural. So that means Paul is with his companions. Paul and his companions are going through life, and they're trying to do ministry. And as they're doing missions and, and doing ministry, God is opening doors, and he's closing them. And then he opens another door, and then he closes them. And what I love about the text is divine direction comes out of the moments of letdown. Think about those moments of letdown, and some of you are in that moment right now, or you just came out of a season that was hard for you, and you feel let down, and you feel like this ain't, like this can't be God. What if it is God, and that is the moment he gives you divine instructions and directional change? Those are the moments, and some of you are at that intersection right now. I don't know why you haven't slipped your boy an amen yet, because that, that was good. That, that was good. Divine directions come out of moments of letdown. I thought that one was going to hit. Where Caleb at? Come take this mic. I thought they was going to hit. Divine instructions come out of moments of letdown. And the reason I feel passionate about that is because I know most of the room has been let down before. You've been disappointed before. 
But God is like, I know you're disappointed, but the real disappointment is if I open the door and let you go through it. Oh, you don't want that disappointment. I need you to pout and be mad at the door closed because if I say I'm going to open it just to let you in, you're going to get in and find out why he closed it. And we don't want to find out why he closed the door. And so the disciples here are literally being guided by God. Now, that's the first point I want us to pay attention to. Literally, city to city to city to city. God is guiding them and leading them. And it's so profound. I need you to pick up how many cities I'm going to read right now. Just just pay attention to all of the cities. In verse 6, it says, And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, and having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. That's three cities right there. Verse 7, and when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bethnia, but the spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, another city, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man in Macedonia was standing there urging, urging him, saying, come by over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately he sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called them to preach the gospel there. Did you, did you catch the cities? Literally, seven cities. He says, Phrygia, Galatia, Asia, Mysia, Bethnia, Troas, and Macedonia. All of these cities, God has guided them. Now, here's the thing. That's just the cities that we just read. But if you keep reading on, there are other cities that God guides them through. Uh, uh, Samothrace, uh, uh, Neopolis, Neopolis, Philippi, Thyatira, just over and over again. God decides that he will direct and guide the paths of the disciples. And what is abundantly clear in this passage is really two things. Number one, God is persistent in leading you. The second thing that is that is clear to me is the disciples were open. And my question all week is, God, is Epiphany Church open to your leadership? Like, do we go through life with open hands? Or are we closed fisted with the things? Because y'all know we make our plans and our vision boards. But the scripture tells me many of the plans of a man's heart. But God establishes the path. And so some of us got 10 years planned out. And I'm not saying don't plan. But some of you got 10 years planned out, and in your 10 years, you think you know the full direction, but God always throws an audible, and we got to be open to the audible. And so the disciples, when God says go, they go. When, when God says don't go, they don't go. When God says be patient, they're patient. When God says wait, they wait, and that's the hard one to be patient. See, I'm okay with the closed door. I'm not okay with me sitting at this closed door waiting for you to tell me what another door to go through. And so we sit at the door and we're so frustrated with God. But I read this this week and I wondered how our lives would be different if we were as sensitive as the disciples and being guided by God. Y'all don't make me work too hard. My voice is gone. I'm serious. I wonder what our lives would be like if we were guided by God and we were. And I'm not talking guided in big moments only. I'm talking about being guided in the small moments because I know how we are. You know, you, you realize that life is only made up of a few big moments, marriage, children, you know, graduation, but you live in the little moments and we pray and we want to seek God for the big moments, but you need, my grandmother in North Carolina, she was as charismatic as you get. I mean, you be talking in the middle of a conversation and she just, shut da 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 she just zone out. She just zone out. But she used to go to this really charismatic church down the street when we were young in Fayetteville, North Carolina. And we'd go visit. We used to spend the summer with her. And what she would do is she would walk to church, but she would always find a long route. And we'd be walking. We'd be like, are right, we almost at church? Like, oh, 
I feel like God is telling me to go to the right. And we were like, Grandma, the church right there. But my grandmother, what she was doing was she was, she was trying to train us that moment by moment, second by second, I need to be dependent on the Lord. Now, we young. I know how it is. We make moves based off money. Y'all know I'm right. We make moves based off position. We will relocate our whole family, not consult God, but be like, it's a good opportunity out there. But disciples of Jesus don't move based on the bag. We move based on God. Because every open door that has resources at the end of it don't mean it's God. I don't, I don't know if I've ever told y'all this, but, but the, when, when God was crystallizing the idea of planting Epiphany Church, Ty and I were on our way south. Because, because, but, my, but the job I was working at, they relocated us, and they were like, man, we'll give you a nice relocation package. We'll give you a promotion. We just need you to move down to Alpharetta, Georgia. You know, and I just hate Atlanta. Just me. I don't, if you're from Atlanta, I don't mean no disrespect. I just don't like Atlanta. It's just weird. It's hot. It's just weird. And if I moved, if I moved based on the bag, I'd be aggravated and frustrated in Alpharetta right now. But when you move based on God, you stay in the very will of God. And so, look, I'm excited when y'all tell me God is calling me to move across the world. I'm excited because I'm like, oh, you're going to be salt and light. I'm never thinking about the bag yet. That, that's secondary. The first thing I'm thinking about is, oh, you're going to make disciples where you go. Because the Bible calls us ambassadors of him. The Bible calls us the, the, the salt and light. And so whenever I move, my primary purpose is, oh, God, you're establishing me somewhere else so that I can make spiritual impact. I never think about the bag first. But many of us, that's exactly what we do. But I don't want to just pray for cities. I want, sometimes if you move in Brooklyn, I want you to pray about the building you move in, what street you move on. What coffee shop you go into? What gym you decide to go to? And that's missional. Somebody say missional living. God, I need you to guide me through all aspects of life. I don't want to be confused going through life, simply going based on comfort and my own personal preference. I want to go through life trusting you. So the Lord is guiding them right now. But what messes me up is not just that he's guiding them, but the ways he guides them. Pay attention to this, y'all. There are three ways that the Lord decides to guide the disciples, and they, th those three ways are transferable to how he guides you. Are y'all going to rock with me just for a minute? There, there are three ways. Pay attention to the first way. The first way that he guides them is in verse number six. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia and haven't been forbidden by who? That's the first way. The, do y'all know that's the primary job of the Holy Spirit? Well, the primary job is to make sure that you are conformed in the image of Christ. The secondary job of the Holy Spirit is to lead and guide you. It's a reason he's called a helper because he's supposed to help you and guide you through life. The, 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 the Holy Spirit isn't just there for you to buck, shout, speak in tongues. The Holy Spirit has to be there when you are going off track. He has to get you back on track. Y'all know, like y'all ever been in that situation where you're about to make a decision or it's a deal and you get a gut feeling that just, oh, I don't know if this is it. Never ignore that. My pastor told me a long time ago, never ignore that because that's probably the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit has to set the pace of our life. He tells you when to speed up. He tells you when to slow down. He tells you when to make decisions. He affirms decisions. And oftentimes he does that not in an audible voice, but you, you, you know it, not just based on feeling, but sometimes he affirms it through the people that are around you, which is why it's important 
to have the right people around you. Never, ever ignore those feelings. Because the first way he led them was through the Holy Spirit. Let me give you all the second way that he leads them. It's in verse 7. And when they had come to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bethany, but the Spirit of Jesus didn't allow them. Now, that messed me up earlier this week. I don't know how you, you know, your theological mind works. I'm going, I don't normally see this language, the Spirit of Jesus. It is in, in Philippians chapter 1, verse 19 as well, the same phrase, the Spirit of Jesus. And so I had, to, I had to really dig deep to find out what the Spirit of Jesus is, because let me give a quick theological check. We don't believe in the heresy called modalism, which means the Father stopped being the Father to become the Son, and the Son stopped being the Son to become the Spirit. No, we believe in one God that has three persons. And so the Father is the Father alone, and the Son is the Son alone, and the Spirit is the Spirit alone. All three are God, and they all operate in, in continuity and never argue. Let me show you all three of them real quick. Man, I'm going off. Let me show you all three of them real quick. Remember the baptism of Jesus? And the Bible says that Jesus gets into the water. So Jesus is present, and then the skies open up. You hear an audible voice from the Father. This is my Son, of, of whom I'm well pleased. So the Son is there. The, Spirit is, uh, the, 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 uh, the Father is there. And then the Holy Spirit ascends like a dove. So all three are present at the same time. We don't believe in modalism. All three are, 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 are a personhood of God. And so when I read the Spirit of Jesus, I'm going, what does that mean? There, there's a few commentaries. Here's a few thoughts that these commentators gave. One person said, this is another way of referring to the Holy Spirit, which, Je which Jesus said. We know he sent it based on Acts 1. That could be true. Another commentator said, Jesus himself through the Spirit was guiding the process of the gospel. This could be true. But the one that makes me feel the most comfortable is what F.F. F. Bruce says. He says that this is the guidance that is now given through prophecy uttered expressly in the name of Jesus. In other words, what you see happening in verse 7, very strongly, and it's a very strong possibility that this might be prophecy that is given to the disciples, and if this, which is very consistent with the book of Acts. If this is true, another way that he guides you is not just the Holy Spirit, but he also guides you through the supernatural miracle work of prophecy. Now, here's why this is important, because some of y'all get prophesied to. And you just don't know what to do with it. I was talking with somebody earlier this week. Me, Chris, we was talking. And I don't mean to put the conversation out there. Okay. Because we was talking earlier this week. I was going to say it anyway and apologize later. Me and Chris was talking. And he was like, yeah, you know, I got a prophecy. I won't tell what it was. But he was like, I got a prophecy. And he was telling me. And he, he, he just like I used to be, was very skeptical. He's like, I just don't know. I gotta, really had to weigh it out. He weighed it out. But I, I had to challenge him and say, Chris, never, ever, ever just discount prophecy because you could be grieving the Holy Spirit. Do you realize that Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5.20, do not despise prophecy, but test everything and hold fast to what's good? One of the ways he guides you is he uses the gift of prophecy in others to guide your life. So the first way, the Holy Spirit. The second way, very strongly possibly might be prophecy in the name of Jesus, which is why they said the Spirit of Jesus. Verse 9 is the third and final way that he guides them in this passage. And this one is another miracle. Verse 9, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. And a man 
uh, of Macedonia was standing there and urging him, saying, come to Macedonia and help us. What is clear is that God sometimes does lead and guide us through dreams and visions. I just want to know, because I actually prayed for this room, that we would be a room full of dreamers and, and God would drop vision in your lap. And you'd be like, what is this? It's the Lord, baby. I just want to see the hands in the room. Who has ever got a dream and got affirmed that the dream was for him, from him? Look at the hands, y'all. Look at the hands. Now, I know there are some of you in the room that are like, oh, there's no way. Let's just stick with the word. Like, Vina ain't going to tell me through the word. But a vision in the dream is never left of the word. If it's from God, it's going to align with his word. So the vision and dream, if it's over here and the word is over there, you better ignore it. You just ate something bad. But if the dream is from the Lord, it will always be backed up and affirmed through his word and sometimes through other people. Do you realize that Paul had a dream? He woke up and there was a man actually that was praying for, Mas for them to come to Macedonia. This is from God. And I know some of you are a little skeptical, but you got to understand, don't let your, don't let your love for, for uh, gotquestions.com and Logos make you so theologically deep that you forget and, and, and chat GPT. Don't let that fool you to think that we don't serve a God that is supernatural and a supernatural God works in supernatural ways. Visions, dreams, prophecy, the Holy Spirit. And some of y'all that are skeptical about dreams, if you're skeptical about a dream, ask Joseph. Ask Abraham. Go find Daniel and ask Daniel. Ask the wise men. Ask Mary and Joseph. Ask them about dreams because God sometimes will drop a dream and it will be affirmed and backed up. Now, let me tell you something. He... And I'm not talking about a cat in that dream. You know, he'll drop one in that, in that good sleep, mouth open, snoring, drooling. He's so supernatural. He can drop it even in that. And so there are, there, are, there are many ways that God leads his people. And I don't want you to look at the disciples and say, oh, he led them that way. No, he leads you by the Holy Spirit. God living in you. He leads you by prophecy. He leads you by visions. And by dreams, I just want to, I just want to, just for a second, can we praise God for the many ways that he leads us for a second? We ignore this stuff. I'm glad you clapped and praised God there because here's the rough part. Sometimes when he leads you, he leads you at the precipice of a closed door. Let's get back in the text real quick. Look at these. Not one, but two closed doors. Verse 6, and they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden, that's a closed door, by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come to Mysia, they attempted to go to Bethania, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Now, I don't know why the Spirit didn't allow them to go to Asia and Bethania at this point in time. I have no clue why. Clearly, he wanted to redirect them to go to Macedonia but let's be honest. Can you imagine going through life and going, we on mission. You know how many cities we already been to? Why are you telling us not to go to these two cities? Why are you closing the door when we're just trying to do missional work? And maybe, you know, you're not in, in, in the Middle East right now and, and, and trying to go through and navigate missional work right now. That's not your story. But many of you that are in this room, you've invested time in that relationship and got closed the door and you're frustrated and don't know why. Because let's be honest, the closed door is more frustrating when you've invested time and money in it. See, that's why I was mad with the door, with the door that closed on the building, because we put too much money in it. And I'm like, look, we wasted money. And God is like, you, you'd rather waste that money than me let you in right now. 
because you'll waste more money if I let you in. Some of us have friendships that, you know, you grew up with this person. You was like, man, this, this is my dog. We're going to be dogs for life. But God shut the door and you're so frustrated and you're really frustrated because you've invested time into that relationship. But here it is. I urge you to trust God in the moments when he closes the door because I promise you he knows what's on the other side. Promise you. And that's why we got to trust him because we don't know. We know we're fickle. We know what we want. But God is like, I know what's on the other side of that door. And trust me, what I am stopping you from, I'm keeping you from danger on the other side of that door. I'm keeping you from unnecessary pain on that side. I'm keeping you from tears on the other side of that door. I'm keeping you from frustration on the other side of that door. I'm keeping you from being out of my will by going through that door. And so sometimes he'll gently close it. And other times, for those of us who are strong-willed, he'll slam the door. But I just personally, I praise God for closed doors because his thoughts are our thoughts. And his ways are not our ways. Years ago, um, I had to preach in North Carolina. Actually, this, in one week, and I had to preach seven times at this high school, this high school um, uh, missionary uh, group. And, and so my, I took my son because he was in high school, my oldest son. I took him because he was in high school at the time. So we at the house, we getting ready. You, I don't know how y'all do, but I pack like same day, which means I'm always leaving something and I'm always late. And so I'm packing, I'm packing, I'm packing. And he's slow, he packing. And finally I called an Uber. I mean, we didn't have a lot of time. And I don't know why this is before Chelsea was on staff, but I booked the flight from LaGuardia. Y'all know I don't like the Bronx. So I booked the flight in LaGuardia and not JFK, which is 15 minutes from my house. And so I was like, oh my gosh, like, I, I really prayed this. I said, Lord, let the Uber driver be nice behind the skill, behind the wheel. Let him have skills. Well, God did answer that prayer. Me and my son hop into the Uber, and then we get on the Jackie Robinson. And you know, we sat in traffic, and in moments that it wasn't traffic, I'm like, get around, just go around, zoom up. He wasn't doing it. He was just sitting there driving slow. Finally, we make it to LaGuardia, and we get to LaGuardia, and I'm like, I'm going to be good because I got, you know, I got clear and pre-check. If y'all ain't got the clear and pre-check... You need clear and pre-check. And so I got clear, you know, you know, clear. I don't know how they do it. It's a little weird, but you got to stand up and they scan your eyes and you just walk through. It's your bag. You just go through. So I'm like, I'm good. I'm going to make the flight. Then I looked over at my son's boarding pass and he didn't have clear or pre-check. And so I had to stand in line with him while watching everybody else walk by. Finally, we make it up to the, to the, you know, to the thing to put the bags in on the belt. And I put my bag in, I'm rushing, and finally it goes through. And out of all the bags, they pulled my bag. And it was right in doing so. I had something that wasn't TSA regulation. And, and so I was like, man, just throw it away. Like, we got to go. They threw it away. We zipped up the bags. We're running to the gate. And, you know, whenever you late for a flight, like, you got, you at gate one, and you got to go to gate 52. <laughs> And so we running, we running. My son not athletic, you know. He's like, oh. I'm like, yeah, come on, man, you're young. We running, running. We finally get to the door, and by the time we get to the door, the door just closed. And I'm sitting there looking at this mean lady with blue eyeshadow and red lipstick. And I'm saying to myself, she gonna let me on this flight. So I said, Miss, I said, Miss, I see the plane. <laughs> you know, I see it, like it's there. Just open the door, we slide through, we good. And the lady came back and was like, absolutely not. We will not open this door. And that, now here's what I didn't know 
about the lady with the blue eyeshadow and the red lipstick. I didn't know what she knew. She knew that if she opened that door, that it would cause a ripple effect of mess. Let me explain what I mean. Do you realize that a flight is not considered uh, starting until it's not the wheels up, it's the door closed? Do y'all know that? That's the start time of the flight is the actual door being closed. And so if they had opened up that door, they would have had to recalculate. They would have had to, to rebalance. They would have had to do all their paperwork and they got to do it twice. So they had to do it all over again. I was talking to Nate who, who, who does uh, flight stuff and he was telling me like, not only that, but it's going to mess up connecting flights. It's also going to mess up. you. Know, so everybody's day would have been messed up so that I could slide through the door. And here's what I'm trying to say in a, in a, in a higher and a holier way. The door that you're standing at, you think you know, but do you realize that if you go through it, it's a ripple effect of mess? And so what God does, not with blue eyeshadow and red lipstick, but he sits at the door and he goes, I ain't letting you in because if I let you in, your foolish behind will mess up your life. Can we praise God for a closed door in the room? Oh, I know you can praise him for an open door, but can you praise God for a closed door? Thank you, Jesus. The blessing of a closed door. If we could just mature, we would realize that a closed door is just as much as a blessing as an open door. Just look on Facebook and look at somebody you used to date. You look at somebody you used to date and you're like, oh God, you closed that door. Shed glory. Hallelujah. You get all spiritual. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Ah, glory. I felt that right here. That's a shata. You praise God. You praise God when you look at somebody you used to date. Anybody ever did that? You were like, they ain't got no teeth. They ain't walking with you. They cracked out. Y'all know I, I ain't the only one. Oh, y'all ain't the only one. Y'all be scrolling and be like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Because God gave me a blessing right here. Hey, glory. If he hadn't closed the door, he to open the door to mess. And so I know it hurts you right now, but listen to me. You're, you're at the gate, and you're standing there, and you're frustrated, and you're aggravated, but those are the moments of piff. We got to trust God. Stop trying to break the door down. Stop trying to go around him because he knows. He knows what he's doing, and what he's doing honestly is a plan to prosper you. Do you know that's the scripture in Jeremiah? That his plans are not, are not your plans, but he has plans to prosper you and they are not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and an expected end. That, that's the goal of the closed door. Is, is it the moment that he wants to commune with you and he wants to talk with you and he wants to redirect you? And the closed door is the only way that you'll get back to his will. I know I'm preaching to somebody right now that's thinking about that closed door. And you actually were frustrated with it, but now it's become a source of blessing for you as you think about it. Here's how he leads us. Holy Spirit, prophecy, possibly. I don't want, that's not a definitive, but it's possibly prophecy. And then third, he leads us through visions. And sometimes he leads us to the closed door. Let's, let's go to verse nine, because I think this is what I really want to get at. The closed door really is an opportunity for God to talk to you, to tell you the direction to go. At the door of confusion... At the door of confusion is the clarity that you need. I know that doesn't make sense, but it will, it will later. At the door of confusion right now 
Stay there because you'll get clarity to where you need to go. Look at verse 9. It says, and, and, the, and, and a vision appeared to Paul. He, now he's at, the clo- he's at the closed door. Remember, Bethnia, don't go there. Asia, not calling you there. So I just need you to wait. And I'll drop my instructions. Here's the instruction. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. And a man of Macedonia was standing there urging him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision immediately, he sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called him to preach the gospel there. Did you notice that, that, that Paul and his companions are all standing there, not knowing which direction to go in? And it is at the place of confusion that they actually get clarity. Because Macedonia was the goal. Asia was what they wanted. Macedonia was the goal. Bethnia is where they were going. But the Holy Spirit had to close the door to redirect him. I'll let y'all do, I'll let y'all do the sanctifying journey of looking at what happened in Macedonia. Because revival takes place. Because God, God moves and the gospel is preached and, and, and non-Jews now get saved. And now the church becomes, you're sitting in this room right now because God begins to form the early church and he does it sometimes through closed doors. And we don't like them, but do you realize that over and over again in scripture, God advances his purposes through closed doors? What about Moses? God closed the door to the Egyptian power that he had growing up in an Egyptian, not just any Egyptian household, but Pharaoh's household and God closed the door to the power and the perks that he had sent him to Midian for 40 years so that he could sit by a bush that's burning and not being consumed to tell him to go back to the closed door. And that is where you will liberate my people. It's the closed door that advanced the purpose of God. What about Daniel? The the door to Jerusalem was closed because all of Israel got held in Babylonian captivity. But it was for a purpose because later on, Daniel's going to preach the gospel to the king of Babylon and he's going to bow his knee. He would have never got saved and bowed his knee had Jerusalem not been closed up. God advances his purposes through closed doors. What about Jesus? Jesus is sitting in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he has a moment where he's, where he's feeling his humanity. He says, God, let this cup pass from me. And God closed the door so that the door would be open to you. Oh, that's deep. Oh, amen, Pastor B. I felt that one. Oh, I felt that one. He closed the door for you, for, for him, so that you can be accepted. And, and, and this is the gospel, y'all. This is the good news of, of, of Christ, that he was cut off so that you would be let in. And this is why I say he advances his purposes through closed doors. Here's what I pray for you this morning, that you would just be patient. Because some of you are in a holding pattern. Some of you are in a holding pattern right now. And that holding pattern doesn't feel like God. But what if that holding pattern actually is God? I had a flight to, uh, to, to Atlanta. Now, I told y'all, I don't like Atlanta. Yeah, somebody said, so sorry. They, you know, there's, a, there, there's actually a saying that the trip to hell is going to have a layover in Atlanta. Hartsville Airport, it's just something, something I just don't like. It's too big. It's too, it's too crowded. And so I had to fly into Atlanta. And as, as I'm flying into Atlanta, now, if you know me, my equilibrium, I just, I'm real weak. My equilibrium gets thrown off real quick. 
So I don't like, I don't like the ascending. I don't care about the flight when we're up three, you know, whatever, 3,000, whatever. I don't like the ascending and I don't like the descent. Those are moments I just got to sit still because I just get thrown off and mess my whole day up. So I sit still. As we're descending into Atlanta airport, I look at the runway and then I notice we start circling the runway. And I'm sitting there going, what are we doing? The captain gets on us like, oh, we're in a holding pattern. And the holding pattern in my mind was stupid. I was like, just land the plane. But if the plane landed when I wanted it to land, what I didn't know was that air traffic control knew that there were a bunch of planes trying to land at the same time. So they put a bunch of us in a holding pattern and landed everybody safely. If the plane landed when I wanted it to and I wasn't patient and I wasn't sitting in that holding pattern discerning the will of God, we would have crashed into another plane. And some of you right now, that's where you are. You're in a holding pattern where God just kind of has you circling and it's frustrating because y'all know we don't like redundancy. We don't like, if I just sat here and went like this, the whole sermon, you'd be aggravated because the redundant tapping is annoying. We don't like redundancy, but what if God has you in the redundancy until he gives you your next marching orders? And I believe that's what he's doing in the room. That situation, you, you, you thought that just happened? Oh no, that didn't just happen. Holding pattern. And he's, he, he's calling you to be patient. Now I'm going to end here. Matthias, start playing because I won't end. But I promise you there's a word there's a word you got to pay attention to because after he got the next instructions, the door was closed to Asia. The door was closed to Bethnia. He's now able to go to Macedonia. After he gets the instruction, there's one word you got to pay attention to. And when Paul had seen the vision, here it is, immediately. In other words, in other words, when God finally gave them the instructions, he was obedient immediately. And I know us. The, the reason why I, I want to sit here for a second because I know us. You know how we are? We'd be like, oh, God, I got the word. I got to consult with my friends and I'll be back to you, God. I got, I got to look at my bank account and see if I got the money. And God's like, you don't, but okay. What, what's, what's the baby's name? Jaira? God provides. So you don't got the money. But we, we do all of these games in order to, you know, try to make it all make sense. That math got a math for us in order for us to move. But that's not how it works with God. God says, be obedient and I provide. Listen, listen, y'all. God has never called me to anything and I had the money. Never, ever, 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 ever. He always provides along the way. And some of you in this room, you're at the trajectory. You're at that point where the road is splitting. There's a door that's closed. But instead of going down the path that God has provided for you, because we don't like it, it's not sexy. I'm trying to break down this door. And God is like, it's foolish. I don't want you to go there. I'm calling you toward Macedonia. Now, there's somebody that's in this room that's in that holding pattern. You're, you're in that place where you're, you're trying to hear from God. And he's speaking but you're not listening. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to come to the altar because I want to pray for you today because I really believe, I really believe that Epiphany is going to be a place where visions and dreams are birthed. I believe that this is going to be a place where the Holy Spirit is going to guide you. can Come on down. If that's you, come on down. This is going to be a place where the Holy Spirit is going to guide you. And I know it doesn't feel like he is because he hasn't yet. Thank you for coming. He hasn't yet. So you don't feel like he is, but he's leading you. 
Listen, every step you have taken up, come on down, come on down, y'all. Come stand around the altar. Every step that you have taken so far, God has guided you. And let's be honest, we've, we've messed up. We've missed up. We haven't heard correctly. Oh, look at this, y'all. Thank y'all for coming. We, we haven't heard correctly. You know, sometimes we got bad advice. But I believe God wants to redirect you today. You ever been riding in the GPS? You go the wrong way and the GPS redirects you? I think that's what the Lord is doing now. Look at the altar, y'all. Father, we thank you for each and lot. Father, lay your hands on them. We thank you first for your protection. Because every single person that's on this altar and sitting and listening and watching right now, you've guided and protected them. And Lord, yeah, we've made wrong decisions and wrong turns, but you're so gracious that you allow us to get back on track. And so, Father, I pray for each and every person. I pray for the young lady, that young lady that feels like the weight of life is on her life. She feels like that, that situation is going to take her out. It's a bit unbearable. Father, I pray that we would be like the disciples that were burdened beyond their strength. He doesn't put more on you than you. He, he weighs you down so that he can come in and lift it for you. And so, Father, I pray, oh God, that that young lady would not bear that burden alone, but that you would help. Father, I pray for that young man that's on his way to Asia. Pray for that young man that's on his way to Bethnia. But you're calling him elsewhere. Lord, I pray, oh God, that you would redirect him back to your purpose and your will. And because, Lord, this, this, this crew is being honest about hurts and past pains and closed doors, I pray that when you crystallize it, that they would be like the disciples and immediately follow your will, follow your purpose. Because there really is safety in your will. There really is purpose and destiny in what you're calling us to. And so, Lord, sometimes it may not be the path that has the most money, but it might be the path that we find most fulfillment. And so, Lord, I, I'm not, I, will, I want to pray for fulfillment, but I also want to pray that you bring the bag with it too. Because you are a God that provides. And so, Father, I thank you for each and every person that is represented here. May their families get the blessing of their obedience. May their co-workers and their friends get the blessing of their obedience. I pray for favor. I pray for open and closed doors. Because we want you to direct us. Mature us. Help us to grow up. Help us to be guided by you in every moment, in every step. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.